me, I can't hear you. I don't know if you're talking and you're muted or something, but I can't hear you. How about how about now? <clears throat> you hear me now? <laughs> Were you talking this whole time? I was talking the first part, and then you started doing uh, some some wind whistles, and I was like, "Oh, he can't hear me," because I because I, I, I just I just kept going. Can you read me, Lopez? Can you read me? <laughs> Were you muted? No, I, my audio input on my system preferences was set to a different thing. Right. I uh, should check that. Wow, it's been a fucking while, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's been months. Five, five months, six months. Yeah, pandemic <laughs> months. Months. Am I saying that right? Months. Yep, yep. That's that's it. That's how you say it. Right. Um. Fuck, man. Uh, yeah. Do you just get you just get off, huh? Yeah, man. This this basically October has been a a nightmare at work. <laughs> In what regard? Just nonstop working. That's like funny. you know how. I, was, I, I listened the past, maybe the past two weeks or so. I've, I I kind of got a lull where I didn't get any content to listen to for my usual podcast. So I Amazing. went I went into ours from right when the pandemic. You did not. Yeah, right when the pandemic started, I started listening to ours again. <laughs> just <laughs> okay. Just to refresh my mind, you know. I want I wanted to see what we thought. It's a time capsule, and even though it's only nine months later, like if you go back and listen to the first few episodes, it's. It's one, it's weird because we're so confused, but also really, we're taking it in stride, almost like optimistic wise, but we're very trusting of everything. Sure. Do, and now eight months later that this is not any better and shit is still going the same. It's like, (laughs) it seems so naive. (laughs) I... Um, yeah. Okay. So I haven't listened to it, but I agree because I, I remember. Right. You know, we were. It's like we were doing. I uh, I I made a note of it when I started thinking of it, and I, I, I was in my head. I equated to it. I feel like if the Donner Party had a podcast where they start their trip, and then they went back and listened to it after the trip. <laughs> it's just okay. So here's here's what it is. You have something that is, you know, um, you know, our lifetimes, not a thing. And then it becomes a thing. And so we are humans who adjust to a thing, the new thing, the new whatever we're doing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... We haven't cured anything. We haven't solved anything. We haven't made anything better. We've just kind of put duct no. tape, tape on the situation and accepted. I don't even think we've done that. It's No, it's literally duct tape. We just put masks on our face, some of us, and we're like, okay, this is just life now. This is what we do now. Some, some of us, God, yeah. It's like there's literally, like, we're not doing anything to to progress or re- return. Like, we're there, there, we're just being trained to accept it and continue to do what we would normally do but under added stress and pressure and 
the absurdity of 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 justifying what we do and scurry around in life. It's sort of weird for me in the sense that like I um I don't have to do anything different except for I have to wear a mask at work and obviously in public, but I don't go in public. So it's like I go to the grocery store or whatever, but um it is interesting that I don't know. I like it's it's a it's now a reaction. Like it's a compulsion. It's it's normal to just know that I have to wear a mask. Like I know my rituals. I know what is allowed and what isn't allowed. So if in, if I'm alone in my working stations, I'm allowed to take off my mask. Right. But if I'm not in my working stations i wear a mask and it's just my my natural reaction now to just put on my mask yeah you know and so and this there's this little like there's this little outlier which is um if someone calls me and this is such a weird fucking thing but if someone calls me i have this ritual at work of running off to this section of the building that is uninhabited by any human so because i, I want to talk in silence and i you know i'm talking on my phone and the majority of the time i'm talking to england so i'm talking to someone in england i'm by myself and i've run off but this is the only time that at the end of the call i feel uncomfortable because i realize i don't have a mask on me now so what i've done is I've subconsciously left my desk, walked by all these people without a mask on, and gone into my like lone space to have this conversation because all I'm thinking about is this conversation that I'm going to be having, right? Which is work work related. But now I'm done with the call and I go back and I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to open this door and I have to pass like three or four humans. And I don't have a mask right now because I just got up from my designated workstation and ran off and had this phone call. That's like the only like uncomfortable, weird time that I have nowadays. Every other time is sort of like a natural, I put on my mask and I exist. Does that make sense? It's really, yeah. it's really fucking weird. Uh, yeah, it's... I've, but, I've, yeah. I, I'm, I'm never without a mask at this point. I just, I've gotten to the point where it's like, I'll be, I'll, I'll be folding laundry and putting it, putting my, my jeans away and stuff. And like, oh, there's that mask. It was in my back pocket. It's, I, it's like $5 bills for me now. It's like, it's like singles. Like I, I find cash in my suit jacket from last year or something. I'm like, oh, cool. It's like a week later. I'm like, oh, there's, there's a clean mask. It was in my pocket. It's. Oh my God. It's totally. Totally that's so funny I, I i did start wearing the chrome masks and because i don't wear glasses they are perfect for me and anyone who i know who has the chrome masks who wear glasses they don't love them i but. i get a little static from them when i have my sunglasses on but i i can get around it and everything i i like yeah, I, li- I like easy. the adjustable uh adjustable ear, ear straps that's that's a it's a nice nice sell point on me 
Yeah, adjustable ear straps is pretty much the way to go. I like them because I can put them on my daughter. I mean, I have I usually have two of them on me at any given point, and I don't have to think too much about her because I can adjust them to fit her. And she's two and a half. Yeah. So. Well, that was a fun segment in this day and age. <laughs> <laughs> That was one of my things that I was going to do during the, like, stay-home pandemic times. Um, I was going to build all of these things. Um, I did. I built a ton of shit, actually. I built... um, My friend came up and helped me build all these shelves in my basement. Nice. Um, I made a workbench in my basement which is too tall and i didn't actually finish the workbench but i framed it out myself i'm i'm gonna like three i'm gonna do a workbench tomorrow i've decided we that's awesome we we signed the lease for another two years so i feel like i might as well just put roots down because i've been here for two years and i haven't done shit with my garage i have like my, my my weights in there and like the lawnmower and my bikes and I'll go in there and I'll lift and then everything else is just fucking garbage. So I think tomorrow I'm just going to build out this workbench that I've been thinking of and hang my tools and be done with it because it's a, it's a good usable space. I just haven't taken the time to do it. And I, I don't know. I want to be a fucking adult, I guess. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I, I also built a bench, which is just like a, like a, like we have a, I don't know, you, you walk into the house and it's like a fake foyer. It's just like the little hall that is the entrance of the house and the kitchen's on the right. But while you're walking forward, it's kind of like, you, you know, we, we desire a mudroom, uh, but we don't have a mudroom because... We desire a mudroom. I think that's the title, man. You can't type. No, we're like ten minutes in. You can't even title it. Twenty nine, twenty eight. We desire a mudroom. <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait. We should we should introduce the show, right? And we should clap too. Are you recording? Make sure you're recording. Oh, oh man, am I recording? Yeah, I'm recording. Fuck. Thank God. Um. All right. Three, two, one. Nice. That could not have been on. You say nice. All right, good. I mean, I I, I clapped before you. Wow, I didn't hear it for like ten years. Okay, fine. That's fine. We're good. We're we're. It's Eastern. What is it? It's eleven p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Um. God damn it. I hear R2. Um yeah. clip clopping around. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the that's the R2 signature. I'm glad things haven't changed there. That's awesome. It's um, the same. It's finally not, you know, a hundred degrees here for the past week, so which is really nice. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, but I'm also not sorry because you chose to live there. No, so. I I understand. I'm 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 fine with it. I'm just it's when it, when you're in the middle of it, you never think it's going to end. And then it finally breaks, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to wear a flannel shirt. I'm so excited. <laughs> ah, ah, ah.
<laughs> it's like 75, 80 degrees, and you're like, I'm wearing flannel. It's great. <laughs> yep. I'm going to put a flannel shirt on. It's it's a high of 72. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's like my friend from Arizona who's like, oh, you know, I have like 17 coats. And I'm like, you don't need coats. It's 90 degrees right now. Like, what's wrong with you? It's like, I love coats because it makes me feel like, I'm like, shut up. <laughs> If you love coats, don't live in a desert. No, you don't need a coat in a desert. Oh, at night you do because it drops, you know. But you don't go outside. It could be 40 degrees outside at night and 110 the next day. Don't go outside then. Yeah, I mean, you have to go outside to do stuff, I guess. I don't know. If it were me, I'd leave the windows open on the house all fucking night if it was 40 degrees at night. Shit. I would love to leave the windows open, but my dogs would lose their mind at every sound. They are, they already do with everything that goes on in the backyard. It's crazy. <sighs> my God. So, oh my God. Listen, you just, li- oh my God. You just sent me a photo. Oh yeah, I wanted to show you. <laughs> There's our two. What's wrong with your computer? What do you mean? Oh, it's your mic hanging over. I thought it was like a crack in your fucking screen. What? How do you think that's a crack in the that's screen? Cool you don't see, like, look at the your first podcasting thing you should... set up. This is this is just what I set up right now. That's so. That's so nice. I let me see if I can give you a photo. Uh, it's it's fucked up. I'm like in the Halloween room or something. There's like you have a Halloween room. Say. It's just wait, what's a Halloween room? I mean, like kind of. I don't know. It's like where all the Halloween de- decorations live. Shouldn't they be? Shouldn't they be? Shouldn't they be out on display now? It's Halloween time. This is the time for Halloween decorations. No, it's like a kid's. Well, we don't have like people who see our house, so we don't really decorate. There's like pumpkins on the porch, but like. There's no real decorations because we don't live in a town. So it's so why do you, why do you have you Halloween know, you, decorations? I don't even have Halloween decorations. Oh, there's a lot of reasons, dude. I mean, like for daycare, you have to have like a like you have to have like a I don't know. There's like a thematic like haunted car thing where you like decorate the car. Wait, do you run a daycare? You run a daycare because it's COVID. No, dude. If we ran a daycare, we'd make. So Dude, we'd make so much money if we ran a daycare. The answer is no. We don't run a daycare. But if we right, did, you say we'd all, make when fucking you say, right, bank. Are you, what's your what's your connection like? I feel like I, we're not getting through to each other. I mean, it's probably bad. Do you know that? Like, I live in the middle of that, nowhere. That was that. That was like a five second delay. Really, you think it was a five-second delay? Well, I did try to send you a photo. Maybe I should stop doing that. I got the photo. And when you say Halloween decorations, <laughs> you mean you mean one Halloween candy container. <laughs> uh, yes. And wait, what, what are you drinking? What's on ice there? What am I drinking? Uh, whiskey and soda. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, like like bourbon, bourbon and cola, I guess, is the more specific way to. 
which is like my easy go down sort of drink. Um, like it goes down way too easy drink. No, I understand. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know, man. So all right, well let's uh, introduce listing... the show. We okay, can, we can. Can we introduce the show? That's like a thing we have to do, probably. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. All right, you're listening to twenty nine twenty nine. Uh, shit. Twenty nine twenty nine. Are we changing? The, are we re- rebranding? <laughs> no, I mean if we rebranded. We would just redo the math. Anyway, you're listening. <laughs> you're listening. To- <laughs> uh, all right, we good? Jesus, you're listening to twenty nine twenty eight. I'm Andy. I'm also Andy. No, I don't like that. Let's try that again. And, all right. (laughs) Thank you for listening to 2928. I'm Andy. I'm Andy. Nope. I don't don't like this one bit. (laughs) We're both Andy. I think we're, Uh, I think we're Lopez and uh, Guiley. I don't, I don't know, man. All right, we well, be Lopez and guy. All right, all right, that's fine. Let's just change it now. This is gonna be a hell of an edit for you. I'm just gonna clap here, so you can see it. Shit. Um. <laughs> Dude, you are so far behind. I clapped like an hour ago. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Um. All right, you're you're listening to twenty nine twenty eight. Thank you for listening. I am Lopez. You don't like that. I can tell. I'm Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> God, we haven't done this in so long. I have to okay. like, pull up my fucking notes. Let me let me try let me try something, alright? Alright. Ready? <clears throat> I'm ready. We are 2928. We're a podcast. We've been doing it for a few years, and I don't have anything after that. But I think if we introduce ourselves as the collective, I think that's what that's what I'm going for. As the collective, as in like, you know, we are 2928. Like full names? No, no, no. Oh, 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 I see. We I see. are 20. Like, like we are farmers. Dum 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 dum. All right, all right. We are we are twenty nine twenty eight. Wow, you're gonna have a ton of fun editing that. Google Docs. I'm opening Google Docs. I know I've written stuff in here in the last six months. And when was our last episode, dude? May. <laughs> oh God, are you kidding? No, I'm pretty. I'm pretty certain it was May. All right, it's been five months since we've done an episode. Now, to be clear, there's at least two episodes that are unreleased. There's at least three old, old episodes that are unreleased, well, and they'll just ev- eventually exist. It doesn't matter when they exist. They just eventually right. will. 
I, I do. I, I like what we kind of did when we when we hit our stride again, when we had vault episodes, because it gives us the ability to have fresh eyes on it. It gives us like kind of a hindsight to it. And the things that we sure. held back on, the reason the reason we didn't post those was at the time there was a lot of much more important things going on in the world that people were talking about. And it just felt so kind of self-centered and, uh, uh, I don't know, selfish or whatever to think that the world needed our voices talking about things in that, in that space. And the thing, right. The, and we didn't, the, we didn't the, necessarily. The, well, the, the episodes from a year ago that would have been archive episodes and the episode that we held back on that of that week we hit on a lot of things not knowing that those were going to be kind of in the 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 sphere of, of everyone's mind at that time like you hit and, on and basically uh, like i'll just mo- 18 months I'll just, yeah 18 months ago lopez said that he had mentioned defunding the police and like we covered that in our drunkenness for maybe half an hour and then a year and a half later, people are talking about it. You got like some sort of like chaos magic on your side or something because that was crazy. But we, we like, it, I feel like. Right, our, but it wasn't, our... Joe wasn't just that. It was all the other stuff too. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I was talking about defunding the police because I, that, I mean, that's just like, this is the thing that, that's the, the, you know, maybe what comes about, you know, two friends talking about all the things. And it's not like we talk about politics overtly because we, I would say we definitely don't. Well, we don't talk you about know, it from like, uh, we, we haven't made up our mind one way or the other. We're basically exploring ideas as if we've, we're the only ones who have had them at that point. The way, the way we talk about things is like we hit upon them like, we, like no one has actually talked about them before. So it's, it's interesting to hear informed people then take the ball and run. But like when we mention things like that, it, we get there on our, on our own and it's really weird. It is really weird, but it's like also maybe maybe really appropriate. I mean, it, it might be something that is just so weird that it makes perfect sense because it falls into what people actually currently feel, you know? Right. I don't want to say like we're just like on the fucking cutting edge or whatever. I just want to say that like maybe our sentiments of like what we're discussing is poignant enough to resonate with just contemporary times, I guess. Well, and go on. (laughs) I said, and that I was going to say something, but, but the, the, yeah, no, the, I, I, I interrupt you because you have a lag. I, so I feel like you're done talking. And then what, by the time you hear what I'm saying, <laughs> you think I'm interrupting you. Well, remember when we did this and it was at my office and it was like pretty good real time? We were both at our offices. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's true. We were both at, like on like decent connections. Or, I'm, I'm, I'm know, still decent, current. The, the best connection. I'm still currently working right now just from home while we do this, FYI. 
Wow, you're still working. Okay, fair. Um, no, but on that whole thing, on that whole thing about we kind of just hit on things, and you know, then it's out in in the air and stuff. How much of that is we don't realize that we're being kind of steered or fed that information on the down low, and then coming up with these predetermined ideas or decisions because you know youtube starts recommending videos to us and we don't we just scroll by and we don't watch them but we 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 chart that they're there have you like i feel like i more than more than once i've been just like i don't have a you like i don't sign into youtube or anything like that i'll usually get there by watching like a movie trailer or checking out a clip or something like that and then while I'm there, I'll find something that I think I find, I discover myself, but I realize that, you know, they already have 1.6 million views or people are, are talking about them the very next day. Like it's, it's stuff that you're not coming across naturally on your own. You're being fed it or corralled toward it, toward it you know? Yeah, I mean, totally. And I'll be completely, I don't want to like, you know, talk about something that is like a contemporary thing or whatever, but Please I, don't. <laughs> um, I've been watching these YouTube videos that to me are fucking amazing and I'm signed in. I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos. I watch YouTube videos for like guitar stuff or like bass stuff or like music stuff i don't i don't really Wait, dive when you say into bass other YouTube stuff you mean the bass guitar yeah why bass stuff uh because i play bass oh have you always played bass yeah oh i thought you you just played the the, the good old uh, six string geek box there no man, I love playing bass. I don't. I don't play bass like incredibly well, but I love playing bass. I was pronounced bass. You know. Nope, nope. That's a fish. Um, no, send bass. But no, send conti- bass. Continue. Look, I, I want. I, mean, I want to know where you're going with so, that. So, um, you know, there are a couple YouTubers that are famous bass YouTubers, and um, that's like one of the things that I watch on YouTube maybe the most and it's just nice to watch someone who's really talented at what they do you know it's like master of your domain right it's like you do this you claim to do this one thing you should be the best at it and if you are that's really satisfying to view and so it's nice to see someone who's like, you know, spent the last 10 years working at something and is successful now at it only because they put in that time. And so, you know, like like base videos on YouTube is a, is a decent example, but um, you're talking about the algorithm. And I got fed something maybe a week ago, maybe a little more now, maybe two weeks ago. And it's just totally like, fuck you, YouTube. You get me. I don't understand why you think this is my jam, but it's my jam. And it's these videos 
of this guy who speaks fluent Mandarin who goes into like places in oh it's a white guy right yeah the white kid I saw I didn't see it on YouTube but I saw I saw that posted on Reddit dude yeah so this kid is just like a white Jewish kid from Brooklyn who spent a year in Shanghai or a a year in Beijing he came back and he just kept practicing and practicing and like basically worked his fucking ass off so that he could speak not only Mandarin, but speak pretty much like he's fluent in Mandarin. He speaks pretty great Cantonese. Um, he speaks a couple other like tidbits of other dialects of Chinese, which are just like not Province shit people related. speak. Right. It's just stuff that's like like um, I told you that story, right? You had you had left the store, but. There was a there was this time yeah. at the Apple Store. I told you the story on the show. I, you can tell it again, but I, I do know you've told me re- recently enough that I can recall it. So Basically, I think, I think it was probably it on is, the show. I'm trying to. It had to be on the show. But the short of it is, I'm I'm translating technical jargon right. into like kind of just regular English. Someone who works at the store is translating from the English to Mandarin, and someone who speaks Mandarin and Cantonese is translating from Mandarin to Cantonese. And we're doing this, like, just back and forth through languages. And it was crazy to me because just watching this guy's face as he's watching this girl, Kate, who used to work at the store who spoke really nice Mandarin, like this girl who spoke Mandarin, this Chinese girl who, who, who was like, I don't want to say she was a native Mandarin speaker, but she was clearly probably a native Cantonese speaker who also spoke, spoke uh, Mandarin. She had no problem understanding anything that Kate was saying. And this, this guy who had the problem with his phone was watching them and just like, no like blank face they're speaking mandarin blank face he has no idea what's going on she turns the the girl who speaks mandarin and cantonese turns to this guy changes from mandarin to cantonese and goes back and he's like oh well yeah of course and you know what i mean like you can see his uh, his like expression change and it's crazy because you don't think about you don't think about that that language change in english that diversion of um dialect that is so much so that it's like that's basically a different language you know it's like it's really hard you have to basically learn another language to understand the rest of your country and so i've always thought that was really interesting and these videos that this kid um on youtube um, he displays these videos and kind of it shows that exact aspect. So that I, maybe what's appealing to me is that it's something that I've directly experienced in life. You know, um, it's sort of amazing. Um, no, but um, the fact that you found that and I found that apart from each other, 
it's like like you can't discover that stuff independently of one another without there being either it's it's either optimistic that like you know what when 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 the day's done we're all kind of looking at the same things we have the, we have similar humor we have the same idea of like what's interesting which you know could be true don't throw up r2 <laughs> they're, they're crazy um which is like i guess like when you look at popular tv shows and pop culture in general if we just view youtube videos on a pop level then yes maybe the 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 greater population finds different interests or same interests similar interests in the same video to watch it but everybody thinks that it's something that they discovered like it's i like if you equate it to seeing a musical artist or discovering a musical artist that you think no one really knows about that they're under the radar because they're not on MTV or they're not on not MTV. I'm dating myself there, but like, they're not like, they're not like top 50 hits or whatever like that. You find a musical artist and like, there's some ownership in that, you know? So I see, I see exactly what you're saying. And I'm just going to say this is when I see like someone like Shauma on YouTube and I see that, that's who the, that's kids this kid's name is shama so he has a chinese name that his like old landlord gave him and it's shama so his name's probably like riley if, or something i don't know what his english name is but it's like it's like if you're talking about someone like shama who has 1.3 million subscribers right on YouTube, like I'm looking at that and I understand immediately that like I'm far from seeing this kid in his infancy. But, but the, I also go on, go on. I was gonna say also in the same sense, I follow people who have ten thousand subscribers and ten thousand for some reason feels like following someone in their infancy. Right. And you don't know if someone with 10,000 followers is going to be someone with 100,000 the next day. But I have totally followed people with 3,000 followers who have been people with 100,000 followers in like three months from when I first started following them. But it's because the algorithm fed it to me. It's because I just so happen to be at the top of the line of this algorithm starting to feed it to everybody else. So I, I, I personally understand that, okay? And I don't think that I'm special because I caught someone early in the game. Now, but I'm, I'm, with like, music, I'm, not, I'm not saying necessarily that people necessarily believe that they're, they're you know, they're on the cusp of discovering talent and whatnot because they can clearly see how many people have viewed it, how many people are subscribing to it and stuff. But right. the, the, you know, the, the, I don't know, the feeling that you get from discovering like that, I'm trying to equate to something in the past where it's like, 
the feeling that you found it and you someone didn't send you a link. You know, that you discovered right, so it put through you the... Al- just like, like, like just, so the feeling, even though like you ignore numbers and whatnot, but it just popped up mm-hmm. in YouTube. People... So, I would think people would probably take ownership of like, oh, look at this file I found. Because if you could send it to someone who hasn't seen it, then you're fucking Columbus, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Let me put you in two th- the year 2002. All right. Whoa, so, man. 18 years ago. Jesus Christ. You want to go back to 2002 or you don't? 18 years ago? Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's half my age. All right, in 2002, never forget. I was in I was in <laughs> I was in the library. I think that's 2001, we're not supposed to forget. Anyway, I was in the library at school, in high school. And Cody Crowfoot came up to me and was like, "You know what? Lopez, I think you'll like this band." And handed me a burned CD of Death Cab for Cutie. And at that point in my life, he was fucking right. And later that year, I think it was like, it might have been like whatever the equivalent of like spring semester 2003 is. I had this English teacher and this English teacher was like, Lopez, you're going to love this band and handed me uh, a burned CD of... Um, Pedro the Lion's Winners Never Quit. And I loved it. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this guy totally... And, you know, it's like these weird moments of just like... That was the old version, for me at least, right? For me living through the time that I lived, is that people would hand me burn CDs. And it's not like it happened all the time. But, like pretty much everything that anyone ever handed me it was like curated for me by them such that they knew that i would like it so then and i'm i'm pretty sure no one ever failed at that i don't think anyone ever gave me some shit and i was like this is whack i don't think that's ever happened so but then so between that and me sending you a link like uh huh because you can't really know the numbers of people who were handed mixtapes of Death Cab for Cutie or Pedro the Lion and that, that were outside of, you know, the person who handed it to you and whoever you sure. told about it. But it sure. it definitely had to have happened at that time because it was well before things like YouTube and Spotify and, I guess, MySpace mm-hmm. and all that shit. So, like, that, that was the exact analog of, of, of what that was going on the road, doing concerts, selling D, uh, CDs or whatever, and mixtapes of, of your singles and stuff. Is it, is it the fact that we can see that number now that kind of cheapens the, the process because there's a there's there's a docket of like 
1.7 million people have watched this and you're like oh i'm i'm late to the game like i'm maybe it's cheapened on all on all fronts it's cheapened on the front of like the accessibility makes it like because the accessibility was was so different then like it was so much harder to gain access to this stuff and it's like <clears throat> i i want to say i listened to a show recently that that was talking about napster but the truth about napster for me in my life is that <clears throat> napster like helped me be more of a music fan than I ever would have been like Napster helped me listen to more music than I ever could have possibly listened to. So like, even though I was getting stuff for free, I was also like having these experiences. Like my dad would say crazy shit. Like, Hey, like, uh, there was this song that I listened to in, 1977 and uh and he'd tell me this like crazy story and he'd be like uh can you get this song by charlie rich and i'd be like who the fuck is charlie rich dad and he'd be like you know like the song is called the most beautiful girl so it's like I used to be able to download this shit, you know, and I used to be able to just be like, I found the song. Here it is, Dad. And like, we'd have this experience. Right. It's a it's a shared experience of something that he remembers that he doesn't know how to how to how to track down at this point. And you're discovering. But there was no there was no other way for us to get the music. We couldn't just go to a, a an FYE. And you could get have, a CD of you Charlie have, Rich. You could have gone to like a record store or something, right? Did they ever press any records? I could. You couldn't find specific weird shit. So like, then, so then, it is the fact that it, that it's immediately available. Does that lessen the value? It's not rare anymore, and it's not it's not concrete anymore. It exists everywhere at any time. It's just. I think available. it. Le- I think it lessens the value when you're just like nowadays you because everything's so available now it's different now than it was then you know even though that was the beginning of like napster was the beginning of us being able to be like holy shit do you jesus you get like my dad i remember my dad like looking at me like are you telling me right now that i can remember any song from the history of my life that I haven't heard in 30 years and just say it and you'll be able to find it and download it peer to peer. Your dad did not say peer to peer. No, but he, (laughs) no, he didn't. No, he had no idea. No, 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 no. He had no fucking clue, but he, he understood the concept of like, say it. And it was like genie style, like say it and you shall receive. And, I think that was that was a very interesting kind of like beginning that pushed us to this Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Pandora era of we all fucking do the streaming shit now because it's nice to be able to just like think about a song and hear it. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, but that's like so fucking bonkers. But the like the fact it's it's it is it does it make it that much more disposable then because there's no ownership of it. It's just you you just find it, you listen to it, you enjoy it, and then you just move on. You don't store it, you don't look at it, you never have to look at it ever again. You just click on the next link, and you you have you like a day from uh, a day from then you don't you know recall what what you what you were watching necessarily. Right. It, the, like the loss, gonna, the loss I'm of, just gonna of, say, of hard media, of concrete media. It's, it's, it's obviously like a, a double-edged sword, but like, not having a footprint physically in your life, I think lessens all of it. Like, like even photos, like the amount of photos and pictures that we take on our cam- on our phones, and people put on whatever Facebook and Instagram and all that shit none of them probably weigh as much as i like we've talked about in the past like family photos and stuff and 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 that that feel that you have for an analog photo right i think um yeah i i I don't know i was gonna say i was gonna say that uh my dad's charlie rich song is from 1973 1974 which the only reason I was going to say that is because that was like my dad in middle school and like ninth grade. And that was like clearly the most pivotal musical time of his life because those are the songs he remembers the most. Right. Um, and also like, and like to, to your point of not being able to find that in a record store and everything too, it's when, oh yeah, he, no way. When, when the music industry was like that, there was no record of that stuff. Like one hit wonders would come and go and, they would press a hundred thousand records, but then over the course of forty years, they would either be damaged or thrown out or not survive for the long term. So you're right; you wouldn't be able to necessarily find it in there. So that makes those rarities uh, similar to, to to like the disposability of, of of digital content. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 very weird. Um, I like it, you know, and I like that. I like kind of where we are now too. Um, I also liked that you could share stuff back then. Like I remember, you know, uploading all of my shit to like our our local. Um, it was called DC Plus Plus. That was the name of the software sharing the peer-to-peer sharing that we had on campus and like two or three of the like big nerds of the campus it was like if you were the nerdiest fucking kid on campus you were like the like i don't know the person who held the server basically for the dc plus plus on the campus and um I remember a ton of people like reaching out to me and being like, dude, your music is crazy. Like, what is this? And like, what is that? And I'd be like, oh, well, that's my dad's music because you, you didn't you didn't shy away from just sharing everything, you know. And so. It's just like a totally different time. It's funny to, to think about it like 16 years later, you know, 16, 15, 16 years later, it's like, you know. It's just a different time in music, totally different shit. Like we, this stuff doesn't exist anymore. Like, 
the iterations of everything now is like, uh, you know, I don't know, bands on Instagram and shit. Right, but isn't that just, isn't that the equivalency the of of what those bands were doing in the early two thousands? It's just a progression of that. I guess if they, if they yeah, it's a totally a progression of it. But it's like if they toured, sure, you'd be like known in more than one city. But like, you could be like a local celebrity back then. You know, you could be like your local band was a thing that people cared about. Like people went out to like go see the local band in yeah. Albany. You know, it's like, what's, that's what we did, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, such and such is playing tonight. You'd go, you know? You didn't care really if you really, I don't want to say you didn't care if you liked all the music, but like more or less, you didn't care if you liked all the music because you wanted to hang out with your friends, you know? So it was like a, it was like this weird sort of adjacent bonding experience. It really didn't, ha- it had more, to, like the music had, more of a like social bonding quality than it had for like the love of the music itself it's very it's a very it's an interesting thing to fucking reflect on personally as a i don't know self-proclaimed uh musician i guess i like just on the whole like what started the whole conversation about like discovery and ownership and everything i think the 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 ultimate that I can recall is when we saw Dan Auerbach in uh, in Brooklyn, and uh, uh, we all saw Justin Towns Earl for the first time open for him, and that was the first time any of us had known about it. And we kind of talked about that performance for the next week or so. And you had done research. You're like, his drug phase is behind him and stuff. Like I kept this guy on my radar the entire time, and I, I would tell everyone about him. I saw him when he came out to L.A. And shit like that, and you know, and he died like this year, yeah, earlier this year. He, d- but he like, died. He died. In, he died in August. He died in August, and like, but the yeah. entire like, he I he never got the notoriety or the fame that like like we kind of projected onto him. But he his songs show up in shows that I watch now. Like when I watch like old reruns of stuff, like his his songs will play in them. And I would tell my parents about him, and they would know his dad and and the lineage there and everything. So it's like, sure, that, people are that, like, oh yeah, Steve Earls. Oh, it's Steve Earls' kid. Oh yeah, of course, I know Steve Earl. You know, it's like, and dude, that but, just to give you but, like, but that, my but that, like that, that that ownership, that lineage, like the fact that no one really discovered him, but anyone who I told about him was like, I like this. Was like, was kind of what I'm the the feeling that I'm trying to describe of like right on that cusp of, of being there before, you know, before it comes the cool thing type thing, you know? So any, anyone who's listening to this right now, I'm just going to say this out loud. There's, there's a, you can Google search this, Justin Towns Earl. And then, um, someone wrote kind of, uh, I don't know if you read this dude, but someone wrote sort of this like obituary style, um, just like legacy piece about him. And early in this guy's article, he writes about this exact thing, um, which is our contemporary identical experience, which is, this is my version of it. We go down to the city from Albany and it's like, you know, whatever. It's like a three hour trek. It's the easiest travel to get to just train to train like, and we're there was a webster Hall. yeah i mean i mean fuck, 
dude, was it Webster Hall? That sounds right. I've seen so many shows in the city. I don't know. I, they all blur <laughs> together now. But Web, Webster Hall sounds right. But it wasn't on the ma- it wasn't on the main floor of Webster Hall. We were just in this like we were on like a weird floor to see the opener. And what seemed like like here's the thing about watching Justin Towns are all no he played he played he played on the same stage as Dan Arbuck. No, he did. Yes, he did. We did not change. No, we did not did. change floors for it. We, we we got drinks in the basement, and then we went up there, and he performed on the sta- same stage as Dan Arbach. No, you're wrong, dude. I'm hundred percent right. We saw. <sighs> Fine, but I will tell you that I remember walking into the second song of his set. Did I see Dan Arbach more than once? Then, I don't know. Was Duvall with us? Yes, Duvall was with us, and uh, with the camera. Yes, Duvall was up there taking pictures. Different floors. It was different Same floors of the venue. Floors. Jesus Christ, are you fucking dude? I'm telling you, we man. Can't argue. I'm, te- I'm, I'm telling you. We can't argue like this. I'm telling you that I. Pr- so here's what I remember. I remember switching floors of the venue, but there was a band playing on a different floor, but it wasn't the opener. It was just another band playing where the bar was. No, Justin Townsend was first. There was another band and then Dan Arbuck came on. No, I don't remember what the second band was because they were uninteresting because all we did was talk about fucking Justin Townsend. Right. But that was all, and that was all on the same stage. No, I don't think it. Yeah, was. it was cause I, because I I remember I had... we were sitting we were sitting to the left of the stage next to the speakers, and we struck up a conversation with some girl who was there because of Justin Towns Earl. We were we were saying like, you know, we we were just talking. But that was during the Dan Arbuck set. It was before Dan Arbuck took the stage where we were, but we. But that was during the like the like part where we were supposed to be like doing the Dan Arbuck thing. Like that, what happened was we walked into, we had like been drinking. We like went and got out, got drinks. This is amazing that we have like completely different memories of this. So fuck. So fuck. But it still made an impression on both of us. It's so. Dude, we were, but we, all we could talk about was Dan, was, was fucking Justin Townsend. We didn't give, I didn't even remember. I did not remember until you said it was a Dan Arbuck show. That it was a Dan Arbuck show. Like, I literally have told this story to, like, a hundred people, it seems. Really, I've told the story to maybe ten people. But it seems like I've told this story a thousand times. But I remember walking into him, like, finishing a song and people clapping, like, what the fuck is this? We didn't catch the early bit of the show of him doing the opener but when we walked in i do remember what song he played the first song i remember him playing which is halfway to jackson and i remember him doing this crazy shit on his fucking plucking hand and being like all right stop everything who the fuck is this guy because he stole the show and I guess that's the point we're getting at is that this guy stole the fucking show. And he's and it like 
every album he's put out has been different but has the same kind of dna in it and i've it's been fascinating to just follow his his fucking discography through there the thing that that makes me sad about him and it's like i guess this is so this is our our justin towns earl did you know like uh our dedication show i guess it seems at this point but it's like the stuff that makes me sad about justin towns earl is that he's such a talented musician at this point that we're watching him and it does seem like he has all these bad things behind him and we're all naive enough to hope that this is all behind him and yet there's something about like the struggle of the musician that is like evident and maybe transparent in the individual and in like the structure of what he's doing like he's he is you know a a traveling musician he spent his life on the road he feels most comfortable on the road he doesn't feel comfortable at home he feels like you know like there's these there are these aspects about him as a musician that are incredibly interesting and he's named after um towns van zandt who also had like this sort of yeah it's it's like it's like a shadowy specter over his over his name so fucked up dude it's so fucked up because it's like you don't have to live up to what your name is but it's the here's the thing too is like he's uh, he's you know the child of celebrity to a certain degree in certain circles Mm -hmm. so there's definitely like exposure to the privilege that that comes with i'm assuming i don't really know necessarily but he was also kicked out of his dad's band and the only reason he made it big was because he was kicked out of his dad's band had to fucking come clean go to rehab like put himself together and then he was like oh what do i do well it's like the um who's the guy from the foo fighters dave Um, Grohl. jeez pat thank pat smear dave dave yeah no dave Grohl. dave Grohl's answer to everything is like <clears throat> I didn't, you know, like obviously he was in, you know, uh, Nirvana and, you know, his uh, his like resounding answer to everything is like, I can't do anything else. Like I was born to just be a musician. I can't do any. I wasn't really I'm not talented enough to do anything else. And that's an interesting concept like that's a a weird place to be in your in your world in your life yeah you know it's like where you're like i'm not good enough at anything else i don't feel comfortable at anything else in my life to do anything except for this and that is sort of the that is like to me the justin towns Earl story is that he's so good at being a guitarist that he can't really do anything else it's like you know he's such a I, I I feel like there's it 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 kind of flirts with the cusp of inauthentic inauthenticity, but like we kind of stumbled on him at peak hipster time. Like we go there and he's totally. pl- he's playing oh, blue blue a. he's playing bluegrass in Brooklyn, you know, opening for one of the front men for the Black Keys. 
So everybody there is, you know, 2009, probably 2008. It's like, it's wait, pe- do you, wait, I, do you, do you know, he wasn't supposed to open that show, right? I don't know. They called him in. That's okay. the beauty of it. He wasn't supposed I to thought be he was touring the opener at the sh- No, he wasn't on the bill. He wasn't on the we had the fucking it was another band on the ticket. Right. And that that band couldn't be there. But my my point being that like if you look at his career from a cynical or his his collection of records from like a cynical stance, it seems like he is just looking for something to hit on to break out into a wider public. If you totally. re- if you read interviews with him or if you listen to interviews with him, he has like this genuine respect and kind of like ambition to understand all forms of music cuz he he starts with like bluegrass and uh 1920s type country music which it's it's easy to throw fucking hate at at new country because new country is a joke which was like the first part of his career he was always complaining about like what people thought country music was and then he comes out <laughs> right. and and he has uh he comes out with like gospel albums he comes out with uh more like steel guitar type stuff it's like i think he he was looking for new sounds more than he was looking for what was what would have caught on at the time? But, I agree with that totally. But he like every like every album that he's put out is not every album, but like the the big ones kind of depart into three different territories music mu- musically, and I think he just has a, a kind of reverence for the for for music in general, which was which was really refreshing, but. From a cynical stance, which I view most things cynically, I feel like 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 I feel like I could have easily just written it off as uh, like ambitious cynicism or something, you know? Right. I um, yeah, dude. I I, I just remember. I don't know. I remember getting his album. And being like, this is amazing. We need to see him again. And then, do you remember trying to see him again? Were we trying to buy tickets in for Albany? We were trying to buy tickets in the city. We just ended up going to the city, and we couldn't get tickets because it was sold out. That wasn't. It was that like wasn't not me. even. That was just you and Duvall, probably. Really, you weren't there for that. I don't think so. Oh my god, no shit. I saw him at the El Rey in two thousand and twelve. I want to say. Wow. For like Har- Harlem River Blues or something like that, it was you know it was also an awesome show. It's just weird, man. Huh. Because he's he he's been on TV shows. His music has been on TV shows, and like you see him interviewed on NPR and you see him interviewed on on music music blog sites and everything, and yet he's not a household name. He's gonna die in obscurity until. You know, who knows? Maybe six months from now, they're feeding that algorithm to us on YouTube and, and they're saying, you might also like this. And he'll have three million views at that point, you know? Right. What, what, wait, what venue do you think that first one was at? I think it was Webster Hall. I'm asking Duvall. 
He was there, but he took fucking crazy. Yeah, he's got a he's he's he, right there. He's uh, front lines. He took photos. I remember we went to a diner afterwards. What we did? Yeah, we went, Where we went to a diner afterwards, and I must have been shit faced. Oh, pro- absolutely. And there was another <laughs> table of people who came from a completely different venue. It was probably more of like a scenester venue and shit like that. And they had asked where we just come from. And we told them. And they were like, who's that? And we're like, oh, he's one of the members of the the, uh, the Black Keys. The Black Keys. And they're like, he's big enough to have a solo career now? And like, they commented, on, I think, on the fact that we were all wearing plaid or flannel, too. So I, that stands out as far as, like, what really annoyed me. <laughs> He just so Duvall just just said, wasn't it Terminal Five? And Terminal Five was a different show that I went to with Duvall and my sister and Kim, and we saw the Black Keys play. So he's remembering a different show, which is amazing. I remember that because there's photos of that fucking show, and hmm. And I had a drink with the singer of Dispatch because someone pointed him out who was in our party and they were like, do you know who that is? And I was like, I think I do know who that is. And someone said, oh, that's the singer of Dispatch. I went and I went and bought him a drink and he was like, oh, thanks. And we like talked for like five minutes while I like drank a beer with him. But I also told him I didn't like his music, <laughs> which is kind of like, you know, a rookie move, but I wasn't like about to be like, I love your music when I don't. Cause I don't listen. I didn't listen to dispatch. Um, but it was kind of funny that the lead singer of dispatch was at the black keys show. All right, here we go. Here's a poster. A what from the day? Let's see. Dan Arabeck of the Black Keys with his band, The Fast Five, new album in stores, on tour with Justin Towns Earl and Jessica Lee Mayfield. All right, so I'm wrong. I just haven't found out where it is yet. (laughs) I mean, if it's not Webster, it has to be Webster Hall. It's got to be. Because if it's not Webster Hall, it's like... No, it's got to be Webster Hall. God, my, the best shows I've ever seen are at Webster Hall. I saw a fucking Mogwai play at Webster Hall. My God. July 16th, 2009. Dan, yeah, that's it. Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys announces solo tour. Here we go. Here we go. Dates. Tour that's dates. It. Yeah. Yep. What November eleventh, eleven eleven, eleven 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 oh nine, eleven eleven oh nine. Wow, that was a weird time in our lives, man. It seems like a fucking lifetime ago, man. It's, I cannot believe how long life is. It's crazy. It sucks. I'm I'm about done with it. <laughs> <laughs> wake up every morning and I'm like, I gotta do this again? 
<laughs> You're not doing it right then, dude. Holy shit. Fuck, that's fine. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> that's amazing. Nah, life's long and it's fucking good. Dude, man. at the bottom of this announcement from 2009, they have a That's even that's even for MySpace that's late. Exactly. Yeah.